0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome to to Composite Two-Star Recruits, a USC recruiting podcast with a couple of one-star hosts, Chris 10K Trevino and Gerard Hurricane Martinez. Part of the USCfootball.com podcast family, the Cilantro Boys talk about everything from commitment breakdowns, game analysis, old recruiting stories, and of course, some unsubstantiated rumors. And now, here are your hosts, 18K and Gerald.
1: Welcome back to Composite Two-Star Recruits, but this is not a normal Composite Two-Star Recruits, Gerard. This is a special emergency podcast because there is some big breaking news that we have to cover in the world of USC recruiting, and that is the commitment of Julian Lewis, the five-star, number one overall player in the 2026 class out of Carrollton, Georgia, has committed to USC That news broke early this morning, and we decided to jump on a Skype call and give you an emergency podcast. We are still doing our full podcast on Wednesday, but Julian Lewis could not wait till Wednesday. So we got to get on early and talk about this
0: one, Gerard. On Wednesday, which will actually be posted on Thursday. So you got to be careful when you say that, Chris. They're going to be rioting. (laughs) They're going to be at the gates Wednesday looking for their podcast. We record on Wednesday so they record up, on Wednesday, yes. So it ends up going up Thursday. But this was a big one. We decided, hey, let's uh, let's get on top of this news ASAP timely, talk a little bit about Juju Lewis and what he brings to the table for USC in 2026, question mark? 26?
1: 2025? We'll talk a little bit about that now. This is a historic episode because, first, it is the earliest podcast we have ever done, unless you're counting, you know, when we go into 1 a.m. in the morning sometimes, to thursday morning but i don't count that so this is the earliest podcast we've ever done also it is the first emergency podcast even though our first attempt at an emerging po- emergency podcast crashed and burned like the hindenburg hashtag josh connerly but juju lewis this one is real the number one overall prospect in 2026 consensus number one overall prospect the number one qb prospect the number one Prospect out of Georgia. Go to his 247 page. There are ones across the board. Six foot one, 185 pounds. Chose USC over offers from just about every school in the country you can think of. USC, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. He had offers from all over the country. But there was something about USC that made him want to be a trojan and i can tell you one thing that made him want to be a trojan and that's lincoln riley but he is a prolific player number one player in the 2026 classes i mentioned the max preps national freshman of the year led Carrollton to a 14 and 1 record in his freshman season as a starter got all the way to the state championship game where they did take their first loss but that is the highest classification in georgia georgia football so to go 14 and 1 and reach the title game As a freshman, it's just an amazing accomplishment. Completed 283 of 432 passing attempts. That's good enough for 65.5% for 4,118 yards with 48 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Gerard, I can't say it anymore. He was prolific as a true freshman breaking onto the high school scene in Georgia.
0: Yeah, prolific as a true freshman. So, you know, those are two things that are sometimes... uh, opposite of each other, a little bit of an oxymoron, uh, very productive as a freshman, <laughs> you have only been in high school for one year and you're already very productive. So that's something that definitely is a bit different. Uh, certainly with quarterbacks, you know, as we, as we've seen through the years, uh, their recruitments happen earlier and earlier, and they are committing earlier in the process And and some of these guys are reclassifying and they're leaving high school early. And so everything has been expedited in their high school football careers. And certainly already getting that amount of production as a freshman is unique, is interesting. I think from a player evaluation standpoint, strengths and weaknesses, you're looking at a very mobile within the pocket out. Side the pocket quarterback, yet not necessarily a quarterback that shows a lot in terms of running. So what you see is the potential for playmaking ability behind the line of scrimmage, which is really now what you're looking for as a college and quite frankly, NFL quarterback coach and head coach and offensive coordinator. You want a quarterback that can extend plays and still get the ball downfield. So I think with Julian Lewis, you're looking at a quarterback that is capable certainly athletically. When you look from an agility standpoint, you look from a speed standpoint of being able to to gash defenses running the ball, but he doesn't run the ball a whole lot on film. What he's doing is he's escaping. What he's doing is moving the pocket and what he shows and maybe his greatest strength right now is throwing off platform. So he is moving outside the pocket or moving inside the pocket. Not being able to set his feet because of the pressure, but still being able to show that he can throw incredibly, incredibly accurate throws downfield. And I think, you know, off of one foot, off his back foot, uh, off balance, he changes the trajectory of his ball. He does a lot from that standpoint, and that is, again, being able to create, being able to get the ball downfield and make the bigger play downfield. Uh, despite being rushed by uh, the defense. And I think that, again, is one of the biggest assets that quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators are looking for in football today, because it's great when you can scramble around and you can get you know 10, maybe 30 yards as an athletic quarterback. Okay, And running the ball by design, and we've talked about this ad nauseum uh, with Lincoln Riley's offense, even going back to the clay helton offenses the steve sarkisian offenses having a quarterback that on third and six can keep the ball and, and really make the defense pay for trying to crash down on the run with the read option but the other thing that is a huge uh, you know it's a marker in very successful offenses is not actually taking the ball beyond the line of scrimmage as a runner, but as a quarterback continuing to scramble. And we see this so much with Caleb Williams and keeping your eyes downfield and keeping that play alive downfield and allowing your wide receiver to break free off of his route and make the bigger play because nine times out of 10, that's where the bigger play is going to happen. It's that ability to scramble to get loose and listen, defensive backs can only cover for so long before wide receiver is going to be able to get open. And he's going to be able to get open and probably get more yards off that play than the quarterback is uh, running around and trying to scramble on that play and going beyond the line of scrimmage with his legs. So that is definitely his, his greatest strength. And certainly that fits the USC offense, like we talked about a little bit, in terms of comparisons. I think Julian Lewis compares well with Caleb Williams. I think Julian Lewis compares well with... To some degree, with Kyla Murray as well. Uh, there's a lot to his game which you've seen Lincoln Riley already use successfully. You know, we talk about that formula, and with some of the other quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has recruited, particularly in the 2024 class, they went all in on Dylan Riola, the number one ranked quarterback in the nation, who subsequently committed to Ohio State and then decommitted and went to Georgia, and USC recruited him twice, and they went all in on him twice, and they basically missed out on him twice. But I will tell you right now, Julian Lewis is a much, much better fit for Lincoln Riley's offense. In terms of what Lincoln Riley has done successfully, the offenses that have been the best uh, under his tutelage, definitely, definitely, without a doubt, Julian Lewis – uh, again, talking about the scrambling ability, the escapability, the ability to extend plays and get the ball downfield, uh, use the RPO. Um, I think there's some uh, so, uh, certainly things that he can improve on as a freshman quarterback. Uh, get the ball out a little faster, you know, make his progressions a little faster. You see guys get open a couple times on film here and there with uh, a, a you know ten minute long. <laughs> highlight film for a freshman quarterback where he could probably get that ball out a little sooner, um throw his receivers open a little more. But again, we're talking about a freshman quarterback in high school. So, you do have to, you know, taper your expectations of what you're going to see um, because he's still got you know more time to develop uh, at the high school level before he even gets to college. Uh, but uh, certainly the ability to be able to throw off balance and to make some really good throws. Um, he had 12 interceptions last season, and certainly that's a number that he's got to decrease. And I again, you he's,
1: know, a freshman, freshman journey. He's, he's a freshman.
0: He's a freshman. I, ex- exactly. So, you know, we have, you know, with those criticisms, we have to sort of temper those with the fact that he is a freshman and, you know, you, you he's going to get better. His field vision is great right now. And, and it's quite frankly, spectacular for a freshman, uh, but it's going to get better and, and, and it does need to get better. Um, but uh, yeah. So in terms of just, you know, those comparisons, yeah, you do see a little bit of uh, Caleb Williams in there. See a little bit of uh, Kyler Murray in there in, in terms of uh, stature, you know, not a big quarterback Talked to Andrew Ivins um, the other night, just about this commitment and, and kind of uh, preparing a future impact piece. And we talked a little bit about strengths and weaknesses and okay you know what has he got to work on you know what are going to be the knocks on him going forward and frame comes up as a potential um attribute that will hold him back and certainly you know that has sort of changed over the years with football particularly college football where you know you had those catalysts like drew Brees and, and then russell wilson and you've had some shorter quarterbacks over the years become more successful. And we've seen with the offenses and with the RPOs and how much is done behind the line of scrimmage, how much more movement there is from the quarterback position that, you know, smaller, shorter quarterbacks are still being very successful. And Caleb Williams is not super tall. I mean, he's not a big quarterback. I think he's listed maybe at six one. I'm not even sure, but he's probably, you know, if he comes into the NFL combine at like six foot and a half, it wouldn't shock me. And so, um, you know, guys like Bryce Young, etc. There's certainly been players there, uh, both at the college level and now we're seeing increasingly at the NFL level uh, from a frame standpoint. And Kyla Murray, again, going back to comparisons with quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has already coached and had a lot of success with. Another guy that has been very successful at the NFL level, not just the college level, uh, despite not being necessarily that six, four, you know, 225 pound uh, prototypical pro style quarterback.
1: The Anthony Richardson's, if you will. And I just you mentioned Caleb Williams, and I know it's kind of easy to throw that comparison on to Julian Lewis because of Lincoln Riley and kind of, you know, they got they're both kind of six foot. They're listed at six foot one. And, you know, I think I even brought up this on the uh, earlier edition of the podcast where, you know, is it is it too simple to call him Georgia uh, Caleb Williams? And you went on a big breakdown of that. But I did want to talk about a little bit more about the mobility because he's not as mobile as Caleb Williams, as you mentioned the first time and then this time around. Is his mobility kind of similar to a Malachi Nelson, who's not really – a runner but also has that scramble ability was is that a fair like comparison to his his mobility as a as a QB runner
0: you know i think he's a bit more mobile i think agility wise he's a bit quicker in the pocket he moves away from contact uh better and i think he's got a little more moves in comparison athletically with Caleb Williams i'm not 100% sure where they line up exactly you know i don't have statistics terms of 40 times, et cetera, from Julian Lewis. Now, unlike our boy, Arch Manning, uh, he has been to a bunch of different camps and he's gone to the Clarkson camp and he's been out there and he's always thrown with the top group. But in terms of, you know, all the other athletic uh, markers that you're looking for, I don't know if we have any verified numbers on him to compare with Caleb Williams, you know, uh, of, step for step you know but I think just watching on film certainly again he's not a guy that's uh, necessarily running the ball a lot by design yet you see when he does scramble and get downfield he's quick and he can make a move and he's certainly uh, a quarterback that I think provides even a little more uh, from that standpoint in keeping the defense honest and if you you know, really want to run the ball with him because that's what the defense is giving you, I think he's going to give you good yards there. You know, is he going to run for, you know, a 60-yard touchdown? I haven't necessarily seen that type of athleticism. But, again, he's very agile, and and he can create. He can make some plays happen. So I think athletically, like Caleb Williams, he can – Look with the ball in his hands a bit more like a running back. You know, you see those cuts, you see those moves, you see that awareness. Uh, But I just don't know if he's necessarily as flat out high end fast as Caleb Williams. Uh, But I would say, yeah, as mobility goes, I think he's a bit more mobile than Malachi Nelson. And and Malachi, Malachi's a good athlete, but it's more if you were just going to run a hundred meters or a forty yard dash. I think you would see Malachi be able to pull away, maybe at you know towards the end of that race, uh, because you know his 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 top end speed is pretty good uh, from from what I've been told of him for many years. You know, a lot of people that have worked with him talk about his athleticism, but I think he's not necessarily as agile and as quick. And when you're working in that sort of phone booth of a pocket, and you've got these 300 pound defensive linemen that are crashing down on you. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of, of 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 making one quick move, and it's it's your first step, it's your second step, it's the balance, it's the agility, and it's that sort of, you know, that third eye being able to just feel that pressure and that pocket presence to be able to make the play to get away from that contact and get outside the pocket, and then again have the eyes that are up and disciplined enough to know where your progressions are and where those receivers are going to be because those progressions have basically broken down and now it's just street football. And so I think he has that ability combined with, like I said, the agility and the ability to sort of uh, sneak away a little quicker in the pocket. Uh, Whereas Malachi again, athletic enough and can extend the pocket certainly, but a little taller, a little lankier. And I think it takes him a little longer to kind of make those type of moves. And so you know, a different type of athleticism from Julian Lewis.
1: Let's take a quick second to look at the history of Lincoln Riley recruiting quarterbacks. We know he is a QB guru, and this is one of the big reasons why Juju decided to go with Lincoln Riley because of his, of Lincoln Riley's ability to produce amazing college quarterbacks and get these guys ready for the next level. And you've seen what he's done with several of his quarterbacks at the NFL. And we talk about, you know, we've talked about, like, specifically with the 2024 class, like, when they were trying to recruit a quarterback, like, you look at it like, it just makes sense if you're a quarterback to want to play for Lincoln Riley. But so many of the quarterbacks, for whatever reason, did not want to commit in the 2024 class. Juju Lewis is one of those quarterbacks who seems to realize, hey, this is the best quarterback coach in college football. This is why I want to play with him or play for him. And that's why he chose... USC and Lincoln Riley. So, uh, Chris Hummer, our two, four, seven national guy kind of tweeted this out about the, the hilariously good quarterbacks that USC or Lincoln Riley has recruited since 2018. You have Tanner Mordecai, number 11 QB in 2018, Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback in 2019, Chandler Morris, number 17 in 2020, Caleb Williams, number two quarterback in 2021, second to only Quinn years now at Texas. Malachi Nelson, number five QB in 2023, and Julian Lewis, number one quarterback and number one overall prospect in 2026. Is this the best quarterback uh, Lincoln Riley has ever recruited, got a commitment come? I mean, Julian Lewis is the number one prospect in his class. None of those other quarterbacks I just listed or that held that title in their respective class. So Julian Lewis does have... That advantage over some of those guys. But is he the biggest quarterback or prospect USC has landed, or has the biggest recruit Lincoln Riley has landed at USC, Gerard?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, as it stands right now, it, he is uh, the biggest recruit that USC and Lincoln Riley together have landed. Now, separately, there would be debates. You know, other players that Lincoln Riley has landed, you know, at Oklahoma, and certainly USC has landed a lot of very, very good players, um, quarterbacks specifically, over the years. But you see that, you know, that combination, uh, that synchronicity between what Lincoln Riley has done in his career and what USC has been able to do as a brand, uh, at the quarterback position. And it's like ridiculous. I mean, it's unmatched. I think I, I, don't, I don't think you can throw all those names together what Lincoln Riley has done with his Heisman trophy, uh, winning quarterbacks and, and guys that are have been in New York city at the end of the year. And you combining that with that tradition of USC at the quarterback position with guys like My- Mark Sanchez, Matt Leonard, Carson Palmer, You know, going back uh, to Rodney Pete and and some of the other quarterbacks, you know, even in the earlier years, it's uh, an incredible, incredible run and lineage when you bring those two names together. Um, But in the modern day of them being actually together, I mean, I think this is to date the biggest uh, commitment that Lincoln Riley has had. And uh, certainly we need to see, you know, as Julian Lewis uh, continues on here his sophomore year in high school. Uh, no pressure, kid. Um, it's uh, it's certainly uh, he's got to continue to, like I said, get better, you know, decision-making, not as many interceptions, uh, so on and so forth. But uh, I think, you know, with his recruitment moving forward, um, it will be about watching that development, you know, seeing how he plays going further. He's obviously making this decision early. So he doesn't have to worry so much about recruiting, but we know that that really is a little bit of fool's gold. You know, there's still going to be those calls there's still going to be those schools that want to check in, check in on him. And it's going to be uh, you know, sort of a brief reprieve from the recruiting process. And um, you know, USC for their part, they've just got to stay in contact, lock in. Uh, I think, You know, the good thing with Julian Lewis is that he's already been to USC several times. I think it's four unofficial visits here in the last year, two years. And so, you know, he's been on campus. He's been around the program. This is not a commitment that was made sight unseen. This is not a commitment that was made right after a visit, right after a camp. You know, he's been thinking about this for a while, and it seems like, you know, he understood the the value of what Lincoln Riley brings to the table as a quarterback coach, uh, not just as a head coach. Certainly we've already listed, you know, the success rate that he's had in college and the success of those quarterbacks going to the NFL. You know, they've been successful there too. It's not a situation where these guys were just great in college and then they uh, didn't do much in the NFL. You know, Jalen hurts and Kyler Murray, you know, some of those guys, the Baker Mayfield, even they've, they've been pretty good at the pro level. So it's translating. He saw that. He saw the offense. He saw the fit. And I think, you know, he also sees the branding capabilities and NIL opportunities of Los Angeles. That's going to be something that's going to be talked about here uh, as we go on. Um, You know, there's going to be uh, plenty of those things that are going to be thrown at him between now and the day that he signs on the line, which is dotted. Uh, So that's going to be something that. Uh, We have to continue to keep an eye on and and, and continue to try to cover as best as we can. Obviously, with the NIL uh, part, that's always uh, something very difficult. It's sort of uh, behind the scenes and um, to some extent, you know, with some of these schools in the shadows. Uh, So, you know, we have to understand that and and not be naive and say, okay, you know, he's verbally committed. It's all a done deal. Uh, He will continue to be recruited quite a bit in USC. I mean, they won this battle. Uh, doing what they tried to do with Dylan Riola, what they tried to do with DJ Lagway uh, was we're going to put all our eggs into this basket. You know, uh, it was uh, reported that he had turned away uh, Lincoln Riley, that being uh, some other quarterbacks from visiting, and this is something that he did with Dylan Riola. You know, with that class, other quarterbacks that were looking to take unofficial visits to USC and meet with Lincoln Riley, guys like Julian Sand and. You know, like Ryan is like, you know what, we've got our guy, we're going to go all in on him and we're not really entertaining the interest of other quarterbacks. And that didn't work out for them with Dylan Riola. Um, it did work out with them for Julian Lewis. Um, we'll talk about that. I'm sure, you know, maybe a little more in, in another podcast as to, you know, whether that's the right strategy or not. And it could still, you know, obviously fall through for for USC. You know, they're, like I said, he's going to continue to be recruited and there's a bunch of schools there in the sec um, that are going to go after him. Um, But you know, this is one that USC obviously saw uh, very early on and they made an incredible push. And um, you know, Julian Lewis does have some connections out West. Um, You know, we were at uh, one of the elite camps uh, or actually it was the seven on seven tournament uh, that USC had this summer. And Jarrett Perez uh five stars only only, baby uh was over shooting modern day at the track field and stumbled upon julian lewis hanging out over there and uh was like is this this is julian lewis right isn't this julian lewis and um you know he was just kind of hanging out had all his trojan gear on but um evidently has a connection there at modern day on the coaching staff so that's something that we'll look forward to here also you know i mean there's Always that potential, you know. Perhaps that um, he finishes out this year at Carrollton, and uh, you know maybe that 2025 uh, reclassification year ends up at Modern Day. You know, unsubstantiated on hats. Are we already putting on
1: tinfoil hats right now? You just kind of just jumped into that one.
0: Yeah, we, we we've already got him, uh, you know, quarterbacking taking over for Elijah Brown uh, at Modern Day and uh, reclassifies for 2025, right? Um, But uh, that would be, you know, an interesting, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, situation there because you do have Elijah Brown leaving and Cole Liner is there, who is a 2026 quarterback. Uh, But it would be interesting if there was, uh, you know, potentially reclassification. And I know that's going to be a big question for everybody on the Peristyle. You know, is he going to reclassify? Is he going to reclassify? I think and I talked with Andrew Ivins about this, um, you know, the other night. And he didn't want to make any predictions. I, I'm not going to necessarily make a prediction, but I think that, you know, of all the quarterbacks that were set up to reclassify and, you know, USC have seen some of those guys going back to J.D. Booty. I think, you know, with Julian Lewis, he's probably set up for success uh, better than most guys to reclassify. I, I will definitely say that.
1: It is interesting, and we have that other piece of the puzzle that that came out, with, which was Lincoln Riley and USC offering another 2026 quarterback, Provo, Utah quarterback, Hellman Kasuga, who was ranked in the top 100 he in our recent rankings of the 2026 class, so he is a high-caliber quarterback in his own right, and why would Lincoln Riley offer another 2026 quarterback when you know you're in really good position for Julian Lewis that's just like one of the biggest signs for me that I think we'll see a reclassification at some point uh for Juju that's just that's just like the biggest smoking gun for me is that they offered another high-end 2026 quarterback in that class
0: yeah and especially if Kasuga ends up visiting USC and you see that they're still actively involved with him then going way of the you know we're not looking for quarterbacks you know julian lewis is our only guy then you're kind of going well you're only guy in what class because you know this is not one of those things where you can say hey julian lewis is our quarterback for you know the extended future <laughs> and just basically you know wipe out like two classes because you're recruiting one guy i don't think it's going to go down like that so yeah we'll we'll keep an eye on uh kasuga and his recruitment by USC, and certainly, you know, there are obviously pros and cons to losing a year of eligibility. You know, it's interesting, though, with the post-COVID classes because all those guys basically got another year. So they're a little older than uh, some of the quarterbacks that were coming out the years before, but at that position, guys get held back. I mean, go back to the Casey Clausen years and the Jimmy Clausen years and quarterbacks, you know, being held back and, and you know, being a little more mature and older than some of their classmates. So sometimes that can be a bit, a bit misleading. And certainly going back to the production, you know, Chris said it at the top. You're talking about a guy that's got 4,000 yards and 48 touchdowns as a freshman. And he's playing varsity football. So it's not necessarily like he had those numbers as a freshman playing freshman ball. No, he played 15 games. He played 15 games of varsity football and took his team to the finals uh, at the highest state uh, classification in Georgia. So, yeah, that that could be a sophomore year very easily. It would be a very, very good sophomore year. Of course, the questions would come, Okay, where would he be ranked within the 2025 class? He's the number one player overall in the 2026 class, number one quarterback. But where would he be ranked in the 2025 class? I think it would be a debate that would put him definitely within the top three quarterbacks in the 2025 class now usc doesn't have also a little bit of a red flag indicator and offer to any quarterback in the 2025 Mm -hmm. class so looking at those guys uh you know just from a, a a cursory standpoint i haven't really gone in depth into watching a lot of film on those guys I'd say he'd be right at the top. I think that they would probably rank him two or three initially and then kind of see you know, how he plays going forward at that point, head-to-head against uh, you know, maybe uh, the top-rated quarterback. Um, but I don't think they would initially put him at number one, and, and it, certainly I don't think he would be out of the gates the number one player uh, in the nation for the 2000. Yeah, I'm, not,
1: four, I'm not sure he would. I'm not sure if he would overtake David Saunders, the uh, offensive tackle out of North Carolina, six foot six, 255 pounds. We also have Elijah Griffin, the six foot five defensive lineman, at number two, and Bryce Underwood is currently the number one quarterback in the 2025 class, nearly six foot four, 205 pounds. So there are some uh, heavy hitters in that class, and yeah, I don't know if he would take over Sanders. Initially, and I think you're right, he would probably maybe be the number two quarterback in this cycle, but nonetheless, still would be very much a five-star prospect. And I've been referring to him as a five-star prospect, but 247 doesn't give out five stars in the 2026 class, but I don't care. I'm still going to call him a five-star prospect. Girardi's the number one player in that class. He is obviously in five-star range, so I don't think I'm out of line calling him a five-star prospect.
0: Correct. And he would be a five-star even in the 2025 class, I I think. Absolutely. So yeah, you're talking about a player that would be arguably top 10 in the 2025 class and among the top three quarterbacks. And I think again, initially, you know, it's okay. When does he reclassify? Does he still have the season ahead of him to where now you're comparing him with the prospects in that class head to head at camps, at events, all-star games, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think he would still be considered one of the top players, even in that class. And from a depth chart standpoint, we also have to look at this. And we did put up a future impact piece uh, with uh, Julian Lewis uh, talking a little bit to Andrew Ivins, who's seen him in person, you know, several times and kind of breaking down his game, uh, but also looking at, OK, so how does this impact USC in the future? You've got Caleb Williams, who we all expect to lead for the NFL after the season. Uh, You have Miller Moss, who right now is is the heir apparent, completely different in terms of style, in in terms of how the offense would have to run. um, And and I think change from an RPO standpoint, because Miller Moss is not necessarily a very mobile quarterback. Um, He could move enough that, you know, I'm sure I mean, he did this in the spring game. There was, I think, a third down uh, where he, uh, you know, they ran a little read option and he kept the ball and, you know, he got like five, six yards, um, even in a, a, regular game where there would be contact, he'd probably be able to slide and get his five or six yards, which is, you know, good enough. If the passing game is there and is prolific, you know, you're going to have to really, um, keep the defense honest with the quick passes and be able to do some things from that standpoint, and certainly with Miller Moss, I and mean, he's shown a lot of accuracy. He shows a lot of command over the offense, his progressions. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, you have a different look at quarterback. Then you also have Jake Jensen, which a lot of people like Jake Jensen, and, and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and people automatically just jump to Malachi Nelson, who right now is a true freshman. Uh, he will be a sophomore uh, for 2025, and then for Uh, you know, that 2026 year, and we're talking about recruiting years, not the actual year, but recruiting years from a class standpoint, uh, he would be a junior at that standpoint, uh, a true junior um, when Juju Lewis would uh, be on campus for USC. Now, if Juju Lewis decides to reclassify for 2025, then it's a battle between he and most likely Malachi Nelson and maybe, you know, Jake Jensen is still there. Obviously, we have to look at potential transfers out, etc. Uh, but I think that whether it's 2025 or 2026, that Julian Lewis is absolutely uh, a candidate to take over at quarterback for USC. You know, I think um, there's there's no doubt from a fit standpoint that of the guys that are on the roster outside Caleb Williams, he fits. With what Lincoln Riley has done uh, successfully, you know, in terms of formula and checking those boxes, uh, Julian Lewis is, is one of those guys for sure. And so, um, yeah, whether he reclassifies or not, it's still, you know, open to uh, question, but uh, we would speculate and say that uh, there's a good chance of probably that happening. For 2025. There was some talk out there about 2024, even. Um, that I have not heard and, and has, has not been verified. It's been more about reclassifying for the 2025
1: class. Speaking of that reclassification question, I did get a question after I announced that we were going to do an emergency podcast for Julian Lewis from Dustin uh, Perlberg. He did want to ask you, I'm assuming. This is impacted by whether or not he reclassifies for 2025. But do you think Juju Lewis can be impactful for the 2024 class? I would say for 2025, yeah, I think he would have some impact. Not so much if he didn't and he stayed in 2026 because it's like a two-year difference. uh, I mean, maybe a little, but not really. But 2025, I definitely think he would have a lot more impact if he didn't reclassify
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He will have some impact for 2025 and maybe regardless of whether he would classify. I think that, you know, there's a year there you're committed to USC. You're on the seven on seven circuit. You're on the camp circuit and, you know, you're able to get in guys ears as a USC commit. You know, he's been around. He's a very known commodity uh, among recruits for 2024. I think that ship has sailed a little bit certainly at the wide receiver position uh you're looking for potentially one more receiver it's great to know that you've got the future kind of you know locked up a bit uh but it's kind of the far future you know and and i'm sure that the quarterbacks in the 2024 class are looking to see okay who's going to be my quarterback you know now and malachi nelson is really going to be more that guy that they're going to look at and and probably had a relationship before Malachi Nelson even got to campus at USC. Um, so it's good from a lineage standpoint. It's good for, listen, if you're a wide receiver at USC, uh, if you're an offensive player, particularly a skilled player, uh, you're going to be good to go. You know, we're not going to ever have to worry about who's going to get you the football uh, at USC. And, and so that helps, Receiver recruiting just kind of in general, it's really a re-emphasis of that because I think the feeling is there already that you're not going to have to really worry about that as a wide receiver, which is why they've recruited really well at wide receiver. Yes, they missed out on Draylon Miller, who was kind of like, you know, their 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 top guy, um, at least, you know, what was left on the board at that point during the summer when he decided to commit to Texas A&M. Um, does this affect his you know, verbal commitment to AM. No, it doesn't hurt. I'm sure that uh, Draylon Miller will be aware of this to some extent. Um, and again, it's just a re emphasis of the lineage and never having to really worry about who's the quarterback at USC. And even, you know, if, if the first guy goes down, you're still going to have somebody there that's capable of getting you the football. Uh, I think, you know, we've talked and and not to derail this and start talking about Draylon Miller or guys that you're trying to flip on the recruiting trail. uh, Certainly, that's going to be something that's going to be more um, season focused. And and whether uh, Bobby Petrino and Texas A&M is able to turn around uh, from the season that they had last year and, and have more production on offense, I think that will Ultimately, maybe nudge him one way or another, and obviously the NIL discussion um, comes back into the fold uh, with that one. So, yeah, I, I think it does. Um, it, it doesn't hurt 2024, but I think the greatest impact for sure will be 2025 and, and 2026. And USC's already offered, you know, five players from Georgia in the 2026 class. You know, that's only second to California. And in the 2025 class, uh, USC has offered 16 players from Georgia. So that's just, again, Georgia and, you know, trying to reach in there and trying to be able to have more connection in that state, uh, it will certainly help. It will help in the Southeast, Uh, again, as, as long as Julian Lewis is actually in the Southeast, you know, there's always that potential where, you know, maybe he transfers somewhere else. He could end up at IMG. You never know, you know, quarterbacks uh, certainly, um, you know, that it's a commodity and those guys are going to be heavily recruited even at the high school levels by other high schools. It's kind of crazy. It's a prelude to the recruiting process with colleges. And so it's another one of those reasons why these kids are ready to get it done earlier, because they've really already gone through a recruiting process just going from youth football into high school.
1: We'll get more into kind of other players that I could potentially help with in our full-length podcast when we record on Wednesday. But, Gerard, I did have one more kind of thing I wanted you to react to. I saw someone on Twitter say this, Lincoln Riley getting Julian Lewis out of Georgia is the equivalent to Nick Saban pulling Bryce Young out of California Back in 2020, I just wanted no, to reaction. No, no,
0: no, no, no! It's not the not the equivalent. It's actually a bit more impressive. And again, you know, we've got you know two years potentially here uh, before we see Julian Lewis arrive on campus. Um, but Georgia, the defending two-time national champion. Uh, when Bryce Young was in modern day, Clay Helton, you know, for all intents and purposes, was on the hot seat and potentially going to be fired after losing to BYU. So the Trojan brand was taking L's left and right, and Alabama was able to swoop in there and get Bryce Young to not really flip because I, I think he did decommit from USC before he actually committed to Alabama, but it was pretty quickly when he committed to Alabama. But Alabama, that, that was lower hanging fruit. You know, It was a great get for Alabama, but this is you know Lincoln Riley going into the backyard of the defending national champions who are playing at the highest level of college football. And USC is still trying to get there. USC is still trying to restart uh, that uh, dynasty engine. And at this point, you know, winning 11 games, big, uh, and and certainly uh, exceeded expectations last season. Championship football is all about consistency, so they have to, you know, show that the trajectory is still going upward from a program standpoint. And uh, get that conference championship this year and potentially get your foot in the door with the college football playoff and so we'll see you know how how that progresses this season but i would say this is a, a, it would be a more difficult get just with the circumstances of where things sit today with uh, college football and i would add also that this is a nice sort of reinforcement of lincoln riley's future at usc and you know we've always kind of speculated a little bit with some of these quarterbacks and you know, USC right now it has to be the place to be for a quarterback. Again, talking about Lincoln Riley's specific tutelage and lineage and success with quarterbacks um, from a mentorship standpoint, from a system standpoint, and then with what USC has done traditionally with quarterbacks pre-NIL, the ability to brand – and to lock down Heisman Trophy after Heisman Trophy, not at every school can do that, and USC has proven to do that. And so you have these two incredible factors that uh, that come together, and they're multiplicative for the quarterback position, and yet. You know, some of these quarterbacks just deciding to go to other places. I mean, Dylan Riello goes to Georgia. Uh, DJ Lagway decides to go to Florida. And you kind of scratch your head like, well, what's the deal here? You know, is there that feeling like, well, you know, maybe Lincoln Riley's not here for the long haul. Well, now you've got a quarterback in the 2026 class, which is, you know, way down the line, uh, deciding to commit to USC. So obviously there's that feeling from Julian Lewis that, hey, Lincoln Riley is here uh, to stay for a while now, you know, obviously it, it's, it, none of this is binding, you know, its just like his commitment is not binding. It, it doesn't necessarily mean for sure, uh, that, uh, Lincoln Riley is at USC for the long haul, but I think it is a little bit of an indicator, uh, that can, uh, make Trojan fans feel a little, a little better. If that's a question that's rolling around in their head, uh, for, uh, you know, that move to the big 10.
1: All right, hurricane. I think that's going to wrap up our first emergency podcast. My dog is getting real antsy here. And before she hijacks this podcast, I think we should end it. And we'll cover more about Julian Lewis and all the things we did miss in this emergency podcast about him for Wednesday when we record our full-length episode. We'll be back. But, Gerard, anything else before we go and get out of this emergency
0: pod? That's it. Hope you guys liked it. It was a banger. It was quick. Big commitment for USC, so we wanted to get on it and make a timely podcast, talk a little bit about this. And what well, we'll see you guys, uh, well, you'll hear from us Thursday, uh, but uh, we'll be uh, recruit, r- recording Wednesday for the full podcast. And like Chris said, we'll get in a little more maybe about some of these players in the 2026 class, 2025 class, and uh, look projection wise as to how this impacts USC's future recruiting classes.
1: Quick things. Thank you to the official sponsor of the composite two-star recruits, Meredith Schlosser, number one real estate agent in Los Angeles. Check out her listings at her business Instagram at Meredith real estate. And you can sign up for the peristyle 50% off an annual membership that we have that deal going on right now. So go on to our website and you will see it right there on the banner. So join, get rid of being a filthy casual and become a peristyle member. Just had to do a quick plug. So I'm Chris, that's Gerard. Thank you for joining us on this emergency edition of Composite Two-Star Recruits, and we will be seeing you very soon. Leopard sucks.
0: The that leopard sucks! On May 23rd,